0: Hey, everyone, you're listening to Pistons and Prosecco, a podcast dedicated to showcasing awesome wedding vendors and providing the behind-the-scenes look at the wedding industry. I'm your host, Bryce Bjornson, owner of Jack's 47 Mobile Bar. We create a better experience for your guests by serving delicious drinks on draft with style. Today, we have Tracy Masterson. Is that right, Tracy? Is that how you pronounce? That's correct, yeah. <laughs> with the Vineyards of Betty's Creek, which is a beautiful wow. venue out in... Silva, north carolina which is just a hop skip and a jump here from Asheville. so we've done some weddings there and uh, excited to do another one in just a couple weeks tracy thanks for joining me on the podcast
1: well thank you for having me bryce it's nice to see you
0: yeah yeah i had a great time there last year we did both the rehearsal dinner and the wedding reception service for one of your clients and we're doing the same thing this year so i always love a good wedding weekend and looking forward to being out there very soon
1: Yeah. And it's, we're happy to have you back. I think you did a great job last year and I love, um, I love your style. I love your services.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Well, Tracy, I always want to start out, uh, and I haven't done this always, but I like to start out with asking people what their favorite drink is because I am a bar service and the, the podcast does have Prosecco in the name. So do you want to share with our listeners what you're sipping on these days?
1: Yeah, well, truly I'm, I'm, you know, I'm seasonal. Number one, <laughs> I feel like I'm a pretty seasonal drinker. Um, and it's summertime. Um, you know, honestly, I look forward to anything sparkling. So I, I like um, a Bellini. I, I like a mimosa. I love a sparkling rosé. Um, I, you know, I also like margaritas. You know, the, you know, especially the spicy margarita. But honestly, often like I'm ordering a beer at the bar when I'm going out, <laughs> like a nice, refreshing light beer. <laughs>
0: Totally. Yeah. No, I love, um, I love a good spicy margarita. I, I actually had in Oakland and we're both from California. So that's a funny, yeah. funny um, <laughs> coincidence. But in Oakland, I was waiting for my friend to get out of the farmer's market. She was a vendor and I went to this little dive bar and it was, you know, California's all sunny. I go in this dive bar at like 11 o'clock <laughs> in, the, in the morning and it was really dark. And there's this very flamboyant bartender named Visa and Visa sold me a habanero watermelon margarita and i Oof. loved it it was so tasty. yeah so so I, tasty I, I think it's us californians that like our our margaritas a little spicy because i tried to <laughs> take that the other day and someone was like no no i don't know jalapeno so i don't know yeah. it's just in our blood
1: yeah um that's one thing I, I tend to. I'm not. I'm unable to pass that up on a menu. If there's like a spicy jalapeno watermelon margarita like that, like I'm gonna order it. It's there.
0: Yeah, I need to. <laughs> I think I'm going to make a batch and just put it on tap here in my tasting room. But that, yeah. might, that might be trouble. Um, <laughs> so Tracy, uh, the vineyards of Betty's Creek. Let's dive right in. This is a uh, a beautiful venue out in the mountains. You've been there for, I believe you said about four years now, is that right?
1: Right, right, so the Vineyards of Betty's Creek, we're, we're located an hour west of Asheville, um, you know, a little, a little deeper in the mountains, but mm. a pretty easy drive, and um, we are a 600-acre vineyard estate that hosts private weddings. Um, we also have accommodations, so typically our guests check in Thursday at noon, and they check out Sunday at two, and we can accommodate up to 16 people on site. And what makes the venue special, I think, is that it's really accessible to the highways. Um, and once you get here on property, there's an unobstructed view of Blue Ridge Parkway. So you pull in the vineyards, kind of, you know, pull back that canopy that you're so used to being under in North Carolina. And you got a big open sky and you're just looking, you know, at the Blue Ridge Parkway. So it's it's really just you know, heaven on earth without a hard drive up a mountain.
0: Exactly. And I think that's an important point to make because there's, there's a quite a, not quite a few, there's a handful of really good venues with mountain views, but I'm telling you, it's a switch back up a gravel road to get there. And I've done some of those before I went to the vineyards at Betty's Creek. And I think I might've called you and I'm like, Hey, Tracy, like am I going to be able to get my truck up the hill? You're like, Oh yeah, no Mm -hmm. problem. And I took it with a grain of salt at first, <laughs> but when I got there, literally, it was just up this paved road, um, you know, where the where the incline was steep, right, and an easy, easy uh, access to the place. So I think that's a important thing to note because a lot of people are coming from out of state in places that don't have mountains, and so they just don't even consider that, right? People in Florida coming up here don't get it. People in New York City don't, don't get it, right? Um, yeah. Once once you get here. And you have easy access to your venue. I think that makes it great for not only you and the guests, but also the vendors involved. Um, I, I've heard some horror stories recently of venues that you know offer the mountain views, quote unquote, but they are uh, people got trapped up at them because of mudslides and stuff. <laughs> so you know, like, yeah. I want everybody. You know, this is a PSA for for all couples looking at venues. You know, make sure it's easy access or be prepared to rent four by four trucks <laughs> to get your site. Right. So, or, or shuttles. Right. I mean, there are sh- there's a lot of solutions, but I just don't think people always consider that. So easy access onsite lodging, beautiful mountain views. Um, and also you get the venue for the whole weekend, which is, uh, I think a really cool way to spend your time rather than having so many different locations you have to be at having just one space that you, that you can call your own for that period of time. Um, so right. I'd like, like to learn more about, you know, how that all works, how many different sites you have on the property. I know that we were at, we moved the truck, uh, to three different spots last time we yeah. were there. Actually, no four. I think we had four, the whole weekend there was four different places where the truck yeah. and that's not ideal for us, but it, it, it is possible. Anyway, tell us more about all the spaces you have on site
1: sure sure and, and I'll I'll just say when I started here back in 2016 the the pavilion was just finished and had had its first event so I kind of started here with a, a brand new venue mm-hmm. and um, I'd kind of made the decision to get rid of the options to rent the venue as a day without the accommodations um, because the way the vineyards lay out is laid out is is you know parking is is kind of has to be in specific places. And I think the experience is, you know, best if you come here and you use it for the whole weekend and everybody's just really relaxed. Um, and they don't have to deal with the pressure of like loadout times or, or set rehearsal times that aren't ideal or even coming across another client. Um, you know, anybody that's been to, you know, the beautiful Biltmore State can say that, you know, it's it's, you'll pass through a ton of brides taking pictures on their wedding day if you're there on a Saturday. And I kind of like the idea of people just having the 600 acres to themselves, um, and to have that privacy and that exclusiveness. And we don't even do site tours, um, until after they check out on Sunday. So we really try to make it exclusive as possible for our clients. Um, of the 600 acres, we only really use about 55 of it. And in the lower 55, um, we have, Four different buildings um, that our clients used. Um, one of them is the Dunkard Barn Lodge that was built in 1820 in Pennsylvania. And it was brought down about 17 years ago and completely remodeled. It's nearly 7,000 square feet. And it has three floors um, and five bedrooms. And um, every bedroom is suite style. Every bedroom has a view of the Blue Parkway. Everyone has heated tile floors, you know, their own thermostats and televisions, So you can have your in-laws there and your parents there, and they can be on separate floors, separate wings, and everyone have their own special little space. So there's not a bad seat in that house. I mean, it's, and again, the the views are phenomenal from there connected to the lodge is the lodge terrace that, you know, has the blue, the blue Blue parkway. It has the view of the, the vineyards and that terrace is commonly used for rehearsal dinner, which is also included in every package is that location for rehearsal dinner on the terrace Some people will use it for cocktail hour. Some people use it for their ceremony. Some people, if it's a small intimate um, gathering, will use it for their um, reception as well. Um, I always say the two hardest questions I get on venue tours are, where do people normally blank? There's not really a normal place for people to do anything. And because I'm the one moving the tables and chairs, it seems like every weekend it's different. (laughs) Um, But on average, you know, people will use the lodge chairs for cocktail hour. They'll use it for rehearsal dinner. Um, And if they really want that like perfect picturesque Blue Ridge Parkway mountain scene in the background, that's for the ceremony. That's a great place for them. Adjacent to the lodge is the event pavilion. And the event pavilion is the new building on property. So it's just over four years old. Um, It's about 120 feet by about 50 feet in the pavilion itself. And then there's a bump out um, that's, like 50 feet by 20 feet. And on that bump out, um, there's a five inch or five foot overhang where people can have their wedding ceremony in the event of rain. And I just think that's such a huge benefit that our clients don't have to worry about tents and making deposits on tents and um, you know, having to make these decisions on Thursday and Friday to move forward with the tent. And we really don't know what the weather is gonna be, sometimes even on the same day. But usually we could figure it out by Saturday and um, that overhang is, is beautiful. Um, the brain backup for the clients here is, you know, has a beautiful view of the parkway, beautiful view of the vineyards. Um, and then after the ceremony, we just break that down and turn that into a dance floor like it never happened. And, um, I think that's a big benefit for, you know, the, the larger ceremonies. Most of our guests, um, They come here and they say, we want to get married in place um, and have the mountain back background, you know, views. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting is that very rarely do they actually get married with the view in the background. They actually leave the tour saying, we want to use as much as the property as possible. And we're probably going to have our ceremony down at the wedding lawn. And the wedding lawn is a shade tree lawn um, with a pond in the background, a beautiful chestnut tree. It's shaded. It's a classic rectangular, beautiful lawn on a slant. Um, it can accommodate a couple hundred people, 250 people. So it's our largest ceremony location. Um, and probably the most used, there's a beautiful little waterfall on one side of it with a Creek on the opposite side. We have our gardens that we, you know, plant flowers specifically to start blooming in early spring to go all the way through October. And every year we kind of fine tune the gardens, make sure that there's flowers blooming um, for pictures, really, uh, for our guests, um, and also down near the wedding garden, we have betty's cellar, and that 's where our outdoor fireplace is where we can have late night fires and also it 's another option for ceremonies and that 's another option for cocktail hours like you did last year mm-hmm. um, and that 's where the honeymoon slash bridal suite is um, yeah. and the bridal suite is a gorgeous big room it 's where the ladies get ready. Um, It's, you know, beautifully appointed, um, you know, really elegant on the interior, rustic on the exterior. Betty's Creek flows next to it. It's just a nice, calming location. Um, And then, of course, we have the groom's barn, which is a whole separate building that our groomsmen or the other half of the bridal party uses to get ready. And over there, um, we have horseshoe pits and cornhole. And it's just like a nice building for the guys to kind of gather. ESPN. Um <laughs> and you know, air conditioning and heat, full, full kitchen. So everything they need.
0: Yeah. So we started at that wedding last year, the it was a pre-ceremony cocktail hour by the wedding lawn. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, you were at the wedding lawn for pre pre-ceremony. Mm-hmm. And I
0: moved it about not even 75 feet, right? 75 right. 75 feet to the the Betty Cellar. Betty Cellar, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. And then after that, we moved it to behind the pavilion, kind of yeah. like the north side or something like that. Okay. Yeah. So, so you do have a lot of different spaces. But we also did the lodge uh, chairs for a rehearsal dinner. The lodge. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Okay. And then that. Yeah, you that really
1: like did. Cool? You really did cover a lot of ground here, which is <laughs> is not as common. Our our guests don't normally do um, like the pre ceremony. Um, sorry about that. I got another call. Um, they usually don't do, well, you know, the pre ceremony sometimes is usually pretty simple, like champagne. Yeah. Um, and then cocktail hour, you know, I, I encourage people to talk to their vendors, um, before committing to a cocktail hour down below and make sure it works for your catering, um, and your bartenders and understand that it might be, you know, an extra fee being that it's far away from like the services that, you know, are up there at the pavilion.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, I I think it's kind of fun. It's like, I mean, it's the reason someone would hire a mobile bar like yeah. ours. You,
1: know,
0: like, you can't, you can't move that kind of setup if by, no. hand, you know, there's pegs in the back of that truck. So,
1: yeah. And again, that's just, that's people, you know, they're really excited. I think each one of our locations have its has its own charm to it. And, and that goes with the, the mindset of, you know, we want to share as much as this as possible with everyone who's coming with the wedding. And so they just get really creative with the spaces and um, we have golf carts um, and parking staff. So we try to make that as smooth as possible and schedule as much as we can, the transfers with the bridal party, but with the guests, you know, make that as efficient as possible by offering the golf carts.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's important. I think a lot of people forget about the boring uh, (laughs) parking slash transportation aspect of a wedding. Y'all have that, that nice big lot next to the pavilion and you also yeah. have a, a vendor lot too, which is smart. You know, I, I, a lot of venues, you know, I'm not trying to harp on anyone in particular, but I just think some venues, they'll just build out their, their space and it's beautiful, but the, the back end isn't there, you know?
1: Yeah. And, and there, you know, I, there's not a venue that I, that I've worked at or for that has had the. I, has had ideal back of the house logistical mm-hmm. you know options. Some of it I know has to do with zoning and permits and some of it has to do with just like not really that that foresight there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and, and we do lack in some of those things. Like, you know, there's a major shortage of storage room here on the property. <laughs> you know, I'm always finding like a new little crevice to hide things. But um <laughs> you're right. We do we actually have a pavilion parking lot and that's a good example. It was the pavilion parking lot for our guests right now. Um, the reason we have to have parking attendance is we could tightly park in about 35 cars there. So if we get them in kind of tight, that usually covers your normal wedding of 150 people with, let's say they have a shuttle or two um, that leaves enough parking spots for those who do want to drive up. So it's important that we have um, folks vendors park down in the vendor lot that way. When those last minute rivals get here, they have like the prime parking spots and we can keep everything on schedule that parking lot was intended to be almost twice as big or about, you know, half as big as it is now. Um, but the mountain really couldn't support it. It washed out. So we were actually kind of limited on how big that could be in the end. And that's why we added on the vendor lots down below.
0: Oh, yeah, um,
1: means. and I think that they work very well. I mean, we try to be really upfront with our vendors, um, with <laughs> the parking plan. And I think that's key. As long as people know that there's, and that's what, that's what our, my staff is for us to golf cart people, to, you know, down there and bring them back up. So nobody has to walk.
0: Yeah. Uh, in regards to responsibilities on site, it sounds like you're doing a whole bunch of things. I know you do the yeah. walkthroughs for vendor, uh, for, for new clients, prospective clients, you kind of handle the, the, the planning aspect of the day, but are, would you consider yourself like the onsite coordinator or what role or just like yeah. venue manager is like the marketing <laughs> title?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And that's something that I'm constantly having to, you know, manage with my clients because I am not a wedding planner. I'm not an event coordinator, Um, my position here at the property is property manager. And, um, with that said, my roles are vast and they are not just to talk to clients. Um, which is why I require my clients to hire wedding planners. Mm -hmm. Um, but the process generally looks like, um, you know, out of the gates, I solicit business on social media website. So I respond to leads Mm -hmm. that come in online or on the phone. Um, and you know, right out the gates, I send people pricing. And once they that reviewed that information, they tend to book a tour. And on that tour, I take advantage to kind of just do, you know, I tell people to schedule two hours for it. I'm sure I could do the tour in 45 minutes. But if they've seen pricing, and I know that they can afford it, I know it would be a very hard decision to walk away and not book the venue. I I book most of my tours, I would say upwards of 80%, 90% of the people that come here and tour the venue, they're going to move forward with booking. Um, And so I take the opportunity to, during the tour to just kind of go over everything as thoroughly as possible and include, you know, commonly broken rules or policies or things that might come up or, you know, start, you know, getting their ideas in and uh, help them really envision how the day is going to go. But I also stress that my planning, my planning services. You know what I say is they're mostly online. So I have, I think, a 12-page FAQ. I have sample agendas. I have a complete inventory with quantities, um, dimensions. I have example layouts. um, Not to mention vendor lists. So you know, and virtual tours. So I kind of have this hidden website portal for our guests to go to to kind of assist them with the planning process. And if they think they're going to need a lot more planning than that, then they need to expand their wedding planner package and, um, you know, focus on that. Then normally, um, they come back, uh, 30 to 90 days out. And what I do is I kind of go through what they have, you know, planned out. I come up with the diagrams. I come up with the logistics. Um, and I kind of try to see what they have in mind and make sure that they're planning an event that falls within like our rules and policies and make sure that, you know, no problems will kind of pop up. Um, I do let our guests know that there's no cap on number of times they can come visit the venue. They can come as many times as they'd like. Um, I encourage them to take their pictures here. They can call as much as they'd like, but I really do try to streamline it because my job is kind of vast. Um, on the wedding day specifically, that's another thing When someone meets with me, they're like, why would we need a wedding planner when we have you? Um, I get that a lot. And I say, listen, um, the wedding planner is working with you guys and the bridal party and your agenda. And I'm working with all of your guests. So, you know, your guest event setup, event breakdown and cleaning, you know, making sure there's no leaves on the walkway. And then also facility management in such a big property. You know, I'm the one that's making sure that air conditioners work, lights work, toilets work, (laughs) plumbing, all of that stuff, and then parking and, um, you know, doing the the fine details and also making, you know, just keeping your eye on your vendors and making sure that they're all scheduled coming in, parking on time. Um, So it's it's really a joint effort where the planner is kind of in with the bridal party and with the family and kind of working with you guys closely all day. Um, I tell people that I'm more of your muscle and a lot of people will go to the planner and ask for something and the planner is going to radio me and I'm the one that's going to actually go run and get the shoes and bring them back. Or I'm going to go do this and bring it back. So I'm the one, I'm, I'm the physical gopher of it all. Yeah. Um, and she's kind of interfering with the party. Um, and I think that's a little bit because this is a spread out venue. Yeah. Um, so it kind of takes that dual force to come together and have a, a, seamless wedding day. Cause that's really what we're, what we're trying to achieve, um, I don't want it to be a lot of work, so it's kind of my role here. I, I do have you know, over 700 weddings in that full experience, the full capacity of planning under my belt, um, and so you know what's what's convenient is if I do have a planner that gets caught in traffic or whatever, I can easily step into that role. There's nothing that they do that I wouldn't be comfortable doing. I just you know we just need to work we. I feel like this venue specifically need to work together. And a lot of, I think for a lot of venues that's normal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes, no, that makes a lot of sense. And because you have so many different spaces and a big, large amount of property to move around, having someone else there seems just like the right way to go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, we also do um, things, you know, during the reception, like we do a big luggage move for the bridal party. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a big turn down service in the honeymoon suite. We go through the lodge and do turn down service there as well. Um, just to kind of make things comfortable. Nobody wants to get back to their honeymoon suite and it have half drinking and mimosas and have sandwiches everywhere. And <laughs> you know, boxes yeah. and just, it's just crazy. So we restage furniture, we pack up items, we move the bridal party stuff. And that way when they come back from, let's say, you know, the mess of getting wet it ready, whether it's the lodge or the honeymoon suite, they're coming back to like, staged rooms that are turned down with the with the you know curtains drawn fresh towels you know everything's ready to go so it's just to really help with that experience as a whole yeah um and and frankly you know one thing i tell people sometimes is that there's no magic school bus taking all of this furniture instead of a breakdown from venue to venue i mean it's just it's just pure old fashioned muscles. And so we physically have to pick up and it is, it, it, it's, it's a lot when you, you know, bring 200 chairs out and then bringing 200 chairs in for the ceremonies, um, you know, that's for what it's worth, you know, that's going to take uh, my team of three or four. It's going to take us about an hour to do breakdown. And um, so when there's multiple venues being used, you know, it's like I'm the last one in a venue before the guests get there. And then I'm the first one back in there after the guests leave everywhere just kind of making sure everything's tidy and, and, and overseeing that.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's one of those kind of hidden benefits, right? Because if they didn't have you, as you said, they would come back to a bunch of crap everywhere or things that weren't moved and no one wants that, you know, but you don't notice. It's like when you clean a dirty car, you're like, Oh, I didn't know how dirty it was. You know, it's like one of those things you don't really notice until uh, maybe that's not a good analogy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's, yeah, that is. You, know what I mean? you know, like there's.
0: You don't notice Yeah, it there's also.
1: Yeah, there's. You know, I I kind of feel like it falls into the line of, you know, making the best decisions for the guests. Um, like for example, you know, if it's, a, it's say it's a really big wedding, um, for example, we've got about 350 folding chairs, uh, wooden folding chairs in our inventory, and let's say they need 400. Um, you know, we'll ask them to rent that difference you know, you know, from like professional party rentals or classic event rentals. And they'll say, well, what if we move them? What if we just put them in the back of the truck after the ceremony and move them? And I'm just like, no, you know, your guests are here to have a good time. Um, It's that's not as easy as you think to load up 50 chairs in the back of a truck. You know, all of that is like logistically um, more difficult. And, you know, I just feel like at this point, I know, you know, you really got to plan an event and have a situation that's, comfortable that's smooth that doesn't involve any work by our guests or their or their guests and um that's the only option um because there's other things that will pop up on a wedding day that aren't related to the wedding itself you know from you know family travel plans to family dynamics and mm-hmm. getting yourself ready you know the mother the bride or the bride, if they want to do decorating i'm like all, all of that stuff needs to be done on friday because on saturday you've got a all of your energy needs to be focused on relaxing, ha, you know, enjoying the moment and getting ready. And that's going to take, and it, the time flies by and um, you, you know, there's, there's really not as much time as you think on, in a wedding day.
0: Yeah, I agree. And there's so many little things to do that when they all add up, it causes, it could cause a lot of stress on that yeah. couple, or anyone who's associated with that. A lot of people say not a lot, but some people say like, Oh, well, you know, my sister will do this, or my uncle will do that, and I'm like, "Do you really either want them to be doing that, or do you think they're gonna execute that properly?" And I had, um, I actually had a, uh, client or a potential client, a lead, come to me and ask for, you know, pricing and all that, and I get back to her, and she's like, "Oh, we found someone else." I'm like, "Oh, that was quick. Like, what happened?" They're like, "Oh, well, they were $200 cheaper." I was like, "Okay, but do you know that we will deliver the beverages?" And, sh- and she's like. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Like we get that. We're willing to do some heavy lifting on our wedding day. I'm like, you're gonna transport how many cases of beer and how many cases of wine like It was almost baffling. I was like for another two hundred bucks, they could have had it all taken care of, but instead, they went with just a bartender like just right a staff, just a bartender to come and i I think they had like coolers and ice, but they would not pick up beverages whereas that's always part of our service so when I heard that, I'm like, we're just not on the same page. Like if that's, if that's yeah. what your priority is, is that that much, you know, money for that, for, for what I think is a big and then great. Like I'm, you know, save the money, do your thing. <laughs> but yeah, I, I've just seen so many weddings, not so many. I've seen a few weddings where there was some DIY where I didn't think there maybe needed to be DIY. And I, I'm sure you have as well through all your experiences and that yeah. have the certain standards and requirements that you do now.
1: Right. You know, the biggest learning curve or the biggest challenge in this career that I've had is, A, I like to say yes to everything. Like, that's just my nature. And so, you know, and actually, I kind of play that on a joke with guests. Like, I'll say, I'm giving you the rules now because on your wedding day, like, I hate saying no. Like, it's physically so hard for me. So don't, you know, don't, A, don't make me say no. And like B, don't make me say yes to something that's not going to work out for you in the end. <laughs> you know, It's not going to be good for you. In the then because like, I want to say yes, so bad to everything. I hate saying no, but, um, there's these things where like nine times out of 10, it ends up this way. And, you know, a good example. And I, and I, I'm a dog lover lover, but a good example is like a dog on the wedding day. And, you know, we allow dogs here on the wedding day, but I, and it's not even yesterday, but I have to have a very real conversation of Like you just said, like, we'll just do it myself. The groomsman who's in charge of the leash of the dog is nine times out of 10. He's not involved. I don't know where he's at. Uh, He acts like he doesn't know what I'm talking about. And the dog is just, you know, being pulled on the leash. He's yanking. He wants to be with his owners. And so he's kind of being choked out Mm -hmm. Um, or it's kind of wet outside. It's if it's in the summertime, chances are, even if it's, you know, most of our weddings are not um, rainy at some point in the day or maybe the day before it has rained, And so you got paw prints and the bride is like, I don't want my dog to touch me. And so, you know, you really got to like look at those situations where like nine times out of 10, this is the outcome and it doesn't work out. So I'm going to have to say no. And, um, you know, just, you know, standing your ground on that and expressing it in a way that like it's for your best interest.
0: Tracy, you've said you've been in the industry for a long time. I heard a number of, Um, like a few minutes ago, was it 700 weddings that are under your belt?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I started planning events in 2005 in Highlands. I started out as a corporate planner, actually. Um, I think I probably did that for six or seven months. It's hard to remember. And then, um, a sales, a a wedding position became available, um, at the resort I was working for. And I jumped on that opportunity. Um, and so I've been doing weddings ever since and, um, it's, you know, it's, it's gone by fast. I'll say that <laughs> it's hard to say those words. Like I've been planning events for X amount of years. It's hard to say like 14 years or 15 years. Cause it doesn't seem like it's been that long, but it's been, it's been a long time.
0: Wow. Yeah. And did you have a sp- special calling to it or was it just, you know, just a coincidence that it opened up and then you just enjoyed it and kept going?
1: Yeah, no, never in a million years did I ever see myself in event planning. Um, My calling is absolutely in hospitality in the service industry. Um, I definitely really love, love, you know, tourism and, and hospitality. So I was working for the front office. I have worked for fine dining restaurants. I've worked in housekeeping departments. I started my career in Yosemite National Park working there right out of high school. Um, and uh, no, I, I actually every promotion that has eventually like landed me where I'm at, I've been asked to apply and it's been a surprise. And I never thought in a million years that I'd get it. Um, and that's exactly what happened, um, with the event planning job. One of the event planners resigned and she said, Hey, I think you should apply. And I'm like, that's crazy. Um, but I applied and I got the job and, um, event planning is a whole lot like being a concierge and I loved being a concierge. I love creating those experiences. I like having insider knowledge (laughs) that is going to help somebody really enjoy their visit, their stay, their wedding, their event, um, as you know, you probably know on my personal side, I do a lot of um, outdoor nature activities and hiking, mm-hmm. um, and you know I am always so happy to share with my clients, my guests, my friends, strangers, um, you know how to make their stay just the best possible time. Um, and so that's probably that natural calling to the job that I have to it. I, I would say,
0: I would. You're right. The hospitality slash wedding slash concierge. It's all really about helping people have a great experience and a great event. So I can see that all tying in. And
1: Yeah, you know, I definitely yep. feed off that energy. You know, I definitely, you know, the, these COVID weddings that we've been having, have I mean, they've been, a, you know, in one respect, you know, I feel bad for the clients. The amount of planning that's gone into someone who's chosen to move forward with their COVID wedding with so many unknowns, so much more stress, um, you know, my heart breaks for them. However, at the end of the wedding night, has been nothing but success and, and, you know, socially distant hugs and a million thank yous. And just that feeling of, um, you know, being part of someone's special day and, and I'm really sensitive to that. And that's, what's kept me in this for sure. As long as, and probably will keep me in this indefinitely.
0: Where do you see yourself in three to five years? Are, will you still be managing venues? Uh, do you want to open up your own, of a business or do you kind of like the, the role and the the way you're, what you're doing right yeah,
1: now? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, yeah. <clears throat> um, what I like about this job <laughs> is that it has opened up a separate little portal for me personally, which is the property management side. Um, and that's kind of new and that's a lot of building maintenance and subcontractors and, you know, paving and concrete and, I've learned so much about air conditioning and septic unix the last <laughs> four years. Um, so that's been really fun, you know, just like being part of like the maintenance, the facility of it all. It's just been a good, um, aspect and it kind of opens the door to a lot of opportunities. I feel as if, you know, in the, pro- if, if I choose to go more in the property management world, um, I, I love the vineyards at Betty's Creek. I, I really want to be part of it being a super duper successful, you know, wedding venue. And I hope, to see um, eventually um, us doing more year-round weddings, and then you know, still hopefully overseeing this operation, or seeing this operation and another, um, you know, and seeing this operation, we've you know, we're in talks of building a small lodge, uh, like a 50-room lodge here, mm-hmm. um, and just overseeing its growth. And I, I do really want to be a part of it. I I feel like the vineyards at Betty's Creek is, um, I feel like it's special to me, but I think it's a special place for our clients as well. And just making it a more robust experience, um, you know that other venues don't offer.
0: I agree. I think that having a space from Thursday to Sunday, with on-site lodging and mountain views and accessibility, and an on-site—I don't want to say coordinator, right? Because you don't—that's not your role. But having yeah. someone on-site who manages the property, I think, is uh, just a, a great way to celebrate you know, your wedding. Um,
1: right. like I just, right. I
0: love that. Uh, but I do have a question, you know, we only have a hundred or sorry, you only have about 16, 15 or 16 guests like that can accommodate, sorry, the, <laughs> the lodging on site can only accommodate around 15 or 16 guests. Average wedding used to be around what? A hundred to 150. Now I know that mm-hmm. this season is going to drop a little bit. But where do people stay when they're not? Uh, when where do the other guests stay? Because it sounds like yeah. the onsite lodging is good for the bridal party, and that's about it, right? So, right, that's a really uh, good question.
1: Um, we have on Betty's Creek Road. I I, offer, I give my guests a list of outside accommodations that aren't affiliated with us on Betty's Creek Road. There's three or four rental homes, and um, those rental homes are fantastic. I've walked through all of them. Um, they're like more of your VRBO style. Some of them accommodate two, some of them accommodate eight to 10. Um, so usually the overflow from the bridal party family will stay on Betty's Creek Road. So right outside the property gates. Mm. Um, and then everyone else technically stays down in Dillsboro usually. Um, and in Dillsboro, which is, you know, where this great Smoky Mountain Railroad comes to park. Um, this is an old historic town. You're, I mean, it's just as, Picture perfect as possible. Um, There's a beautiful hotel. There's two hotels on the river. There's a nice little B and B. I am seeing a lot of people choose something off VRBO because there's so many rental listings here in the area,
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: they're they're affordable. They're typically like million dollar homes, so people are like, "Let's get together." And I just I kind of walk people through. Well, keep in mind, there's no Uber here. (laughs) You know, you're gonna have to have a super driver, a sober driver, or like a you know coordinate transportation. So that's mostly where people stay. Um, you know, I've worked in towns like Highlands where like, you know, you're telling your people that they need to book their room blocks right now because you're in competition with a other wedding venues, but just like a really popular town here in Silva, there's plenty of accommodations. I've not had a problem of people like running out of accommodations for their guests ever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's between there and Asheville, there's, um, you know, Canton, Candler, Waynesville, Maggie
1: Valley. Closest. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And, th- and those are known for their tourism. But as you stated, you know, there's a lot of people coming through all those motorcyclists, you know, yeah. during the fall, all the people who chase and leaves, uh, just a yeah. little tourism for West North Carolina, which seems to grow every year. And with more venues opening up without on-site lodging, that's going to also take away from the s- housing stock, right. For, um, for guests. So I think once they book that venue, they should immediately send out a save the date and, uh, go book your lodging. Right.
1: Right. And I'm fortunate too. the hotels that we work with in Dillsboro, which, um, is only six miles down the road and it's a flat six miles, four lane highway. So it's a quick six miles. Um, they do offer discounts to our clients, like a block and then a 10% discount for, for their block. And it's really convenient that our guests don't really have to, to fill their blocks. Um, and mm-hmm. let me tell you at previous property, you know, room blocks and, and managing all of that and having to fill up your blocks and everything is like a stressor for the clients. And I'm glad that's not uh, an issue here.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: however, with that said, you know, before COVID, we, we did have, you know, plans and we do have plans. Um, to kind of expand our lodging here. We've got three little cabins that we use for storage now that we want to turn into glamping. And we've walked off an area where we think a 25 to 50 room um, little lodge would would fit really well and have the view. And it would be higher up on the 600 acres um, because we do, you know, we do want to offer more accommodations here. We have the space, we have the parking. Um, and, you know, I think though this year, you know, especially COVID, it's, you know, we need to stop and take a look around and see what's happening and then, you know, kind of move forward with projects in 2021.
0: Well, it's a nice uh, benefit to have all those acres to work with. Yeah. You could put yeah. your own, yeah, build all your own lodging. <laughs> out there. That's, that's pretty cool. We'll save the <laughs> cabin, okay, because I like it up there. <laughs> uh Tracy, do you? Ha- I know, haven't been asking people this a lot on my podcast just because some of them... A lot of people just didn't have an answer for it. But with you having 700 weddings on your belt, I'm going to ask you, do you have any crazy wedding stories that you want to share with our guests?
1: You know, that is asked to me a lot when someone finds out I'm in the industry (laughs) and everybody wants a salacious story. Um, I'll say first, my job is to, you know, anticipate any craziness from Mm. guest craziness to, anything that could go wrong. So so I'm going to say that there's not many um, because, it, you know, it's truly been my job to, like, you know, make sure that stuff doesn't doesn't go down on, on my watch. Um, but mostly, I mean, it's just, like, what what genre do you want? A crazy story about an in-law, a bridal party, a groomsman, naked swimming down in the trout pond, um, wildlife, wildlife, doing weddings in the mountains. Wildlife has played a major role in my... Oh, I'm not prepared to handle this. <laughs> um, I think that I've become a snake charmer or something over the past years. Let's see a crazy, a crazy story. Um, uh, there's, there's probably, there's probably a lot. I mean, I think that there's the bad behaving relatives as always, uh, or in-laws or new, new wives, uh, new girlfriends has always been just unbelievable. Um, like
0: a new wife of a, in law, you're like not, yeah. The bride. Let's say, like,
1: a, the father of the bride or groom's new wife new, or new girlfriend, okay. or the father of the you know, grooms, or you know, that when when you start having um things like that, you, you I've seen a level of a bad behavior, a selfish yeah. behavior, um, that's completely unbelievable. Um, you know, the nature of weddings people drink too much, and um, I I try, I don't judge, um, but I mean. Like I said, I've, I've had a fish groomsman butt naked out of the trout pond <laughs> here at Betty's Creek more than once before the wedding. Um, You know, because you're looking down there and you're like, "What's that big white thing?" Like, you know, like, like <laughs> "Why is it?" "What's it?" You know, it's like, "Oh, that's a that's a booty." Okay, we need to get down there. Um, And also, like, you know, at my previous property, I had a, a black snake that, like, we were located down to the lake like three times, and the snake just kept coming back into where cocktail hour was going to be. I think maybe the snake had a nest or something. Uh-huh. and um you know we can and it was just like going through and you're like like where do i work like what <laughs> am i getting paid enough for this i don't like snakes um you know dogs barking neighbor you know things like that uh just yeah. been like kind of funny things that have gone on during a wedding um definitely people you know i'm always i'm always like th- an inch close to not allowing sparklers because like what goes on with i mean i've had i've had drunk people sneak around and then light the entire sparkler bucket before grand exit Uh, so you'd have like a hundred sparklers in a tin can and we pulled them out just 10 or 15 minutes before to prevent this from happening but somebody went and uh lit the whole can on fire so we didn't have any and and so that was almost like a firework um i mean it didn't explode but think of a 116 inch sparklers going off at the same time in a little can (laughs) and we created a it created a scene, number one. It took a long time to go out, and then um, there were no sparklers for Grand Exit. Uh, I mean, that that was That's a pretty incredible story. Uh,
0: See, this I is think. why I highly recommend not doing straight liquor, because that's <laughs> why this stuff happened. Yeah. I look at my
1: clients and I just say, you you don't need it. There's going to be people. They're going to be drunk anyway. (laughs) Just have a a cocktail for cocktail hour or something. Whenever someone is serving a full liquor bar, let me tell you my Spidey, my involvement in reception is way more than just beer and wine. And I've seen an element. There is going to be, there's a guaranteed element of, of that behavior. Um, and also, pe- people they have they have enough fun just with beer and wine, you know, <laughs> that the 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 liquor element is, um, you know, it's it adds a new dynamic to the event. That's you know tough yeah. to wrangle.
0: Well, for me, uh, you know, I've uh, what I've done is batched the cocktails and put them on draft, and so love that we don't normally have any bottles of liquor on site. Um, like, a, you know, available to drink. It's all put into the the keg. And there's a few benefits to that. One is, just as we're talking about, no one can drink straight liquor. And so the rate of consumption goes down because we're always serving them one drink that's pre-made, consistently delicious, that's coming out of the tap, right? Um, and the other benefit is there's no mixing involved. And so you don't have to wait in line because every drink is coming out of the tap. So we've, right. we've seen parties actually be really still fun but not out of control because no one's taking no one's taking shots at least under my watch and uh and, but they're all drinking nice drinks you know like it's not just beer and wine they're, they're having a margarita or a moscow mule or a bourbon cider smash but it's coming it's it's, it's all being delivered through the tap system so that's kind of how yeah. we, we dealt with that aspect because i i had the same experience firsthand i went to a wedding uh, there's a, bo- a bunch of mixers and liquor. I'm like, all right, scotch on the rocks. Well, two hours later, after I've had seven <laughs> of those, you know, and not known it, uh, yeah. I'm just kind of, you know, you kind of forget about what's going
1: on. There's definitely a, a like an energy at a wedding that I've fallen victim to myself. Um, and that's when I tell guests, like, I'm not judging anybody, yeah, but, um, totally. you know, I, I'm like, I've, I've, Sure. I've done this myself. I love, love, love the batch craft cocktails. Yeah. I think as a consumer or someone that, you know, that would go to a bar, if there's a bar and if there's like a sangria that they have like batch i on, I'm, I'm, I'm going to order that a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. They're delicious. Like you said, they're very consistent. Um, I think the alcohol content is very, um, is very right. Very like spot on. And also, you know, I, you know, I think people can get kind of crazy on ordering doubles in a short glass and it's just basically one big shot with rocks. So I love batch cocktails. I think that's such a a fantastic thing.
0: Yeah. We're doing that for the wedding coming up. So, um, uh, yeah, I saw
1: that I'm excited
0: by stop by the bar Yeah. and yeah, just another thing that to add about all that is I did the calculation on the alcohol percentage and the bourbon cider smash comes in at 14%, which is like a heavy, red wine, right? So that's That's, perfect. And that's perfect. Um, You know, uh, and it's delicious too. I mean, I, you know, I I don't particularly love Scotch on the rocks. My dad does, but I would rather have it mixed in with something else, but I didn't know it's, you know, at (laughs) that certain wedding, I'm like, well, there's a million things. I just don't have that capacity to create a drink, but if it's one of six things on a menu, I'm going to order that. Uh, you said, um, and, and, you know, weddings are unique events. You're never going to be spending, time with both friends and family and strangers where there's free alcohol and dancing like that's never gonna happen again you're not you know house parties don't they're they're not um going out to your to a bar with friends is not like a wedding like it's such a unique event and i I think people traditionally think of the bar as as something that should be paralleled from a bar whereas i'm like no, no no a wedding bar is very different from a traditional bar because you don't have Absolutely. a rush to the bar of a hundred people ever. That's not the, yeah. the door zone open at Applebee's and a hundred people rush in and order a drink. That never happens. Right. Yeah. So Constructing your bar as if it were a restaurant bar or a cocktail bar, it just doesn't make sense. And I, um, that's my mission, my new mission in life. No, <laughs> <laughs> there's more, I have, I have other things I want to accomplish, but, um, really just educating people on that fact and trying to, make sure they they realize that there's a huge difference between weddings and other events and also the bar at such weddings.
1: Yeah, and you know that with the bar you know those you know typically the other thing like people feel like they have to have something for everybody. Like it's just a mess when you go up to a bar and they they'll have 12 different types of beers. You know, they'll have the craft beers, like three light beers. Well, his college Shorty it, fraternity guys drink this and they drink this. And I'm like, listen, you don't have to get that crazy. They you can have four types of beers or three types of beers. You don't you, you know you that's another thing about, you know, just streamlining and like walking the guests down the right, the right path because just because someone's uh, you know, special to isn't at the bar, they're gonna find something something else that they're gonna drink and they're gonna enjoy it and it's not gonna affect their experience at all. And um, it's not really about making it, like you say, like a, a, like a restaurant or like a a rooftop bar, it's a wedding bar is completely different. It needs to be approached that way.
0: Exactly. It's it's so funny you say that because one of my couples told me that their uncle will drink nothing but, (laughs) Bud light. And I'm like, okay, well we we have a really good light beer here (laughs) at Brevard (laughs) Brewing. Like it's a light beer. They, it's, it's tastier, but it still tastes like a light beer. Right. And they're like, yeah, no, Uncle Joe or whatever his name is, like he needs Bud Light. So I'm like, all right, fine. So we're gonna put a six pack of Bud Lights in a cooler behind the bar. And I just, you know, I, I'm willing to do it. It's just funny to me. It's like you
1: just gotta have to stop it after Uncle Joe. You can't, <laughs> you can't, um, you can't keep going with all those special little orders yeah. because truly, yeah, truly. Uh, and I do think, like for Uncle Joe or somebody, of course, that's like you know an uncle or something, have, you know, have a six pack, but you don't need to build a whole bar around what you think every single person, your party is going to want to drink.
0: Exactly. I think that's a good, I'm, that's my new rules. You can have one <laughs> exception to the bar. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gracie, uh, we need to wrap up here. I got another podcast to jump on, but I'm just wondering if you have any advice for couples getting married in the area here um, in Western North Carolina that you want to share with everyone.
1: Um, that's, a, that's an interesting question. I mean, my, my advice in general to couples is, you know, first and foremost is to know your budget really well, you know, know your budget, have it, have it kind of written out and not just to let it be a figure in your head. As you know, sometimes venues can take up such a big portion of the budget. Once they get down to the rest of it, um, they may not, you know, n- have the funds available. I think it really affects not only the planning experience, but the wedding itself, Um, so really know your budget, um, read your contracts. And I recommend to people all the time, like hire your wedding planner out of the gates. Don't wait until you have your other vendors booked to hire your planner because they're super duper valuable. They usually work really well with super groups, different groups of vendors, and they actually can really help you with booking, um, booking those other vendors. So, you know, know your budget. The other thing is that, um, I don't know. I I don't want to say don't sweat the small stuff, but something to that effect of, there's going to be a lot of people that has envisioned your wedding day that aren't you. So there's, you know, all these other parents and you know, voices and opinions in there. So just know what's important to you and then know what's really not important to you and then and, and have a conversation with your future spouse of what's really important to them. And then if it's not really a top priority, I wouldn't sweat the small stuff because in the end, the, you know, trust your vendors, trust who you've hired have you know have it in your head and I always like and it, it never fails the bride that says I don't care if it rains and I have my wedding on the way back up I'm gonna have a good day anyway they have that mindset and they have a great day you know they really do so you know maybe you know if times get tough take a step back and look at the big picture and just you know plan on being a you know a guest and and plan you know hire good vendors, plan on being a guest and kind of have that mindset that things are going to probably pop up. Um, It's real life. There's a, you know, atmosphere, rain's going to happen. And that those things um, truly, when you look back, don't really make as big of an impact on the day as you think, you know, it's just really about getting together and, 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 you know, getting married to the person you love.
0: Exactly. Well, on that note, I want to thank you for being on the podcast, Tracy. I had a great time. Thank you. Really looking forward to being up there. And hopefully um, some more next year. Uh, I know that I've, with the truck, it's kind of it's funky to move it around. <laughs> so we're, we're working on some new bar concepts that will work at. <laughs> yeah. and, well,
1: I appreciate what you do for the industry, um, Bryce. And we look forward to seeing you here in a few weeks. And uh, thank you for having me. Have a great afternoon.
0: Great, Tracy. Thank you.
1: Right, bye.